0: Hello, hello everyone, and welcome to the most trailer-heavy game dev podcast in the world, House of Games. This summer, on a podcast near you, I'm joined by my host of host, Odo, and a crypto warrior from the blockchain out of this world, Mr. Klaus. All of this and much more in this episode of House of Games. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs>
1: Welcome everyone to the house of games and as usual we have a special guest with us today from Crypto Rogue Games. So first of all Klaus, would you like to introduce yourself and tell me what you do and who you are?
2: Of course my name is Klaas Kander and first and foremost I have to say that I'm really honored to be here. I've never been on a podcast before so you are my first podcast which is awesome. Secondly, my name is Klaus stark I'm a CTO at Crypto Rogue Games. The CTO is Chief Technology Officer, but I would say that my main mission here at work is to go to meetings at the moment and go to meetings so that the other developers doesn't have to go to that many meetings. I'm just coordinating things and I'm structuring and making sure that everybody has everything they need to make great things. I come from a traditional Development background, so I've been working as an architect and team lead and web developer in the printing industry for 20 years, but I'm a long-time gamer. I got my first computer when I was seven years old, which is too many years ago, and I've been developing. I started with BASIC, and then I went on. I started C64 and Amiga, and then Forward, and I've always been like a developer and a gamer, but it was just a couple of years ago that I started developing games professionally, very cool. Yeah, it's an ongoing process, but I love the gaming industry and I think it's, I really like the creativity and the atmosphere.
0: Before we get into the nitty-gritty, what's your favorite game of all time?
2: Oh, God, that's a really hard question. I, I don't have one. I have basically many different, I can't stick to one genre either. I mean, I can name a few. Half-Life defined everything for me if you come down to strategy games i love xcom xcom 2 Mm -hmm. and the expansion is like one of my all-time favorite games but i've never finished it because of some reason and newer games titanfall 2 is an extremely underrated but a fantastic game it has a fantastic story and it's brilliantly made there are so many games and right now i'm playing vampire survivor so I'm all over the place.
0: Yeah, it sounds like all over the place. Yeah, cool. 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 Good answer. And
1: I just wanted to say that we're absolutely glad to have you here as your first podcast appearance. I also come from a regular IT background. Actually, I am in regular IT as we speak. So I like it when people come from different backgrounds, <laughs> like all of us have done with games. Do you want to tell us more about what Crypto Rogue Games does? Tell us what you're up to.
2: Yeah, we are developing a free-to-play action RPG called Crystals of Narrowmoons. And the easiest way to define an action RPG is probably think of Diablo a Torchlight or Path of Exile. Those are the main inspirations for us. It's a top-down camera. You click with the mouse and you go through dungeons. You do quests with your friends, you pick up loot, you kill monsters. And then you come back to a city and basically that's the loop in like a month or something diablo 4 will be released and diablo Mm. 4 is one of those milestones there it's probably going to reinvigorate this whole genre basically the point is that we are making a free-to-play game compared to many of the others and our goal is that it's going to be easy to play for casual players as well as hardcore players if you've tried path of exile we are not going fully that way, but we are going sort of that way. The point is that we want something that is easy to play but hard to master. The other thing, you probably understood it because of the company name, Crypto Rogue Games. We work with crypto technology as well. With crypto technology, I'm talking about blockchain and NFTs. Blockchain is basically, without going into the complicated stuff, it's a distributed ledger. It's a way to keep a currency distributed, but still active and secure. Otto, do you have any further explanation how I can?
1: Yeah, absolutely. For those who don't know about blockchain technology, so you would think of it as a, a traditional fiat currency in this case would be that you have a central bank that keeps track of how much money exists and who has which money and so on. With a distributed model, which blockchain uses, So then, instead, you would have everyone keep track of everyone else. This is done with algorithms and so on, so it's not something that you usually see when using blockchain. But usually, when a transaction happens, that information about that transaction is broadcasted to the rest of everyone who is using the same currency. And then they agree that that transaction is valid. If everyone keeps track of everyone, then it's really hard to forge something or say that you want to duplicate money, for example. That would be impossible because then everyone would have to agree that you can spend this money twice. So the way that it then has expanded beyond currency is NFTs, which is non-fungible tokens. A token, first of all, is something of value. In this context, fungibility has to do with are things unique or not. For example, in your bank account, you have two dollars. Those two dollars, those are fungible, which means if you take one out and then replace it with another dollar, those are just identical. You can't separate them at all. When you spend something, it doesn't matter if it's this unique coin or this unique coin. They're all fungible. They're all alike. Mm. With non-fungible tokens, NFTs... They are usually used for artworks. So this painting, this is the unique token that represents this painting. So you can't duplicate it and you can verify that this specific one is yours and nobody else can copy it. You can think of it a little bit as an identity number for a contract. Say that you own a house, for example. Then you would have a non-fungible token that says this contract represents this house. And you can't just make a copy of this contract and then you own a similar house. It's non-fungible, so nobody can Mm. replace it. So I guess that is a basic overview of blockchain and NFTs.
0: Now that the IT nerds have described it, let the layman (laughs) man describe it. Imagine you're four people. You all have one coin each. Person A give the coin to person B. We all saw it. The coin is now to person B nfts you have one pokemon card we go to a copy machine and i copy a second one and give it to you i still hold the original one but you have the same one except it's not the original one how about that yeah that is a good energy (laughs) very good Alright, so
1: moving on from that, do you want to tell us how do you use NFTs in games and why?
2: Yes, I can. I have to say it was a really good explanation, really thorough. Which one? (laughs) Both of them. I think they complement each other.
1: Thank you, thank you.
2: I guess the thing with NFTs, just to shorten that explanation, you get unique ownership in a digital world. That's the point, basically. It boils down to that something is unique and you can guarantee and test its uniqueness. NFTs as a technology are really, really interesting, but they have gotten a little bit of a bad rep the last years because it's been the lack of regulations and the whole get rich quick scheme that's been like glowing over the whole NFT business. Everybody from famous American politicians to artists are making NFTs out of basically anything to earn money and it's gotten quite of a bad rep, but we are more interested in the technology because it gives us a lot of possibilities. And what we want to do actually with our game is that we want to make, first and foremost, we want to make a great game. We want to make a game that you can play without even touching the blockchain part or the NFTs. We want to make something that you want to play, but something that can be enhanced with blockchain technology. So we want to have the threshold to start using the blockchain technology, the barrier of entry to have it as low as possible. That is something that is sorely lacking within many of the web-free games. Web-free games are the games that come from a blockchain or a crypto side of web gaming. It's mostly the crypto industry that divides it into these categories, but there are web-free games and web-2 games. Web-2 games are traditional games. web 3 games are games that come from a crypto side. We are first and foremost a Web 2 game, but we enable Web 3 technology, as we say. The thing is that traditional Web 3 games that have come out the last years have had a huge barrier of entry. It's been really, really hard to get started. You have to have the right currency and the right wallet connected with the other right wallet, and you have to stake that currency. You have to like read three different medium articles just to get started with this game, and you have to use your credit card in various Shady places to buy these currencies. We want to make a great game that people want to play, but you can enhance it with blockchain technology. And we want to remove that barrier of entry. So we want to make it as easy as possible to get into it.
0: I was going to say about the bad rep for NFTs, I think it will calm down. I mentioned on this show before, when the Nintendo Switch first came out, Street Fighter 3 sold like 45,000 copies or something crazy like that. And that game has been around for ages. But it's just because the Switch was new and hot. And people just wanted to buy whatever was on it. And SteamWorld Dig 2, I remember the developers also said. The Switch version sold more than the Xbox and PlayStation version combined. And I think the same thing you see with crypto in general and NFT. It's like new and fresh. And then you will see these, just everyone get on it. Like you said, to make a quick money schemes so or just to make as much money as possible. But I do think since the crypto crashed last time, I hope this will sort of tone down a little bit. Because NFTs have such a bad rep, it's kind of like an uphill battle to make it mainstream and to make the mainstream gamers understand it. For example, I don't think it makes sense to pay 10 bucks to get a car in Grand Theft Auto V when everyone else can have it. While I do think it makes sense to pay 10 bucks to have a unique on the blockchain card that it's only has one unique key to it. So I don't understand how the mainstream media in the gaming space think it makes sense to sell these things in unlimited numbers. And then they're against the idea that you have some sort of exclusive ownership of something. The reason they don't like it is most likely because the prices of NFTs have really gone bonkers since they started. But I think it was sort of Calm down a little bit. At least I hope so, because I'm very much for this NFT movement. But it seems to be a, a tough start. So, how do you think you can make it more mainstream? Is there something particular in the game you guys are working on now that makes this more mainstream and easy to use for people? You sort of mentioned that it's just happening in the background.
2: Yeah, there are numerous marketplaces that you can connect that try to simplify this barrier of entry so that basically anybody with an email address can buy an NFT and you don't have to consider yourself with wallets because wallets and staking are crypto native terms that become really foreign to non-crypto people. When they start reading up on this and you start reading up on it and then you read that you have to stake something and it's, it gets really bizarre after a while. Many of the new marketplaces that are coming up now, they are focusing around making this barrier of entries as low as possible and still remain secure, because that is the caveat. You can't lower that barrier of entry all the way down because it still needs to be secure. I mean, these are still things that have actual value. And that is the trick. You still have to be able to have your nfts and feel that they are secure in your wallet but you shouldn't have to have a hardware key that you connect to your computer just to unlock this digital vault that is sealed within layers of security codes instead it should be as easy as i don't know your ebay account or whatever many of the marketplaces are coming there we were really fortunate to be really early in pushing this when everybody else was trying to sell nfts for thousands of dollars and we were instead pushing this and trying to make this game to get that crowd into the game to get the non-crypto people and make it as easy and secure as, as possible for them. We've gotten really, really good response from both VCs and everybody that we've spoken about and different blockchains we've spoken with about our strategy. One of the things that that is certainly gonna help with giving NFTs and blockchain a better rep is that both the EU, the Swedish government and different other institutes and authorities are pushing for regulations and rules. Rules and regulations are, in my opinion, really, really good to clean out these more shady businesses regarding crypto. And if we can get it like an accepted technology with rules and regulations, and we do KYC on the different actors, then it would be a more accepted technology that would be more widespread and not just like a meme or something quirky that happens at the edge of the internet where somebody gets rich. So rules and regulations are really, really important for us because the other core pillar of our company is that we try to follow the rules and regulations for using crypto and NFTs. We're talking like to the Swedish tax authority and we have legal involved and everything. So we're trying to make it really compliant, basically, is one of our core pillars.
0: But if I'm just an average gamer who just want to play your game to have fun, it sounds like a hassle to go through a KYC or did you just mean that's sort of what's happening now? Like we have to do those things? Because if I just want to play your game, I feel like I shouldn't have to do that.
2: No, you don't have to do a KYC for our game, but it's more for the industry as general. Sorry, I was unclear there. But it's more for the industry as general. When you buy crypto, if you have to do a KYC, there are rules and regulations regarding KYC and when you have to do a KYC and stuff in the crypto industry where it should be to make it secure and to give a good reputation to the whole crypto and NFT side.
0: Could there be a scenario where I play the games you guys are working on now and I find like a super rare item and I sell it on some sort of a marketplace at what point do these regulation things kick in if I'm just like an average joe who don't play games that often let's say my dad plays the game like he wouldn't even know that he's a part of a crypto blockchain or like at what point does
2: he doesn't have to be a part of the crypto blockchain that's the nice part I mean if he just wants to play the game with his friends that are part of the crypto blockchain or have a wallet or have bought an NFT, he can. But he can also, the point of this game is that because of all the rules and regulations and how the market is moving and everything, we can, the whole game is built around that we can monetize it as a complete, purely fiat game and we can remove the crypto part entirely. Mm. In different markets, we can't even use the crypto part because there are rules and regulations that forbid us. So in order to get as widespread market as possible with this game, we have to be able to disconnect the crypto part. And we can make a separate build where we don't even have the crypto technology included. We're not checking any wallets, nothing. Mm. It's just a fiat game. And these people can still play with other people that are crypto connected or have a wallet or have bought a sword as an NFT, Mm. because that is one of the things is that our game is procedural in the sense that we have procedural dungeons, we have procedural items, so to speak, everything is randomized. And we have skills as well that are lootable. Mm. And all of these are built in a procedural manner, procedural meaning that if you randomize something with the same seed, you will get the same result every time. So the thing is that All of these items can be minted into an NFT, but you don't have to. So if you find a skill and a a really, really cool flaming sword or something, Mm. and you're running around with it and somebody talks to you in game and say that, "I, I really, really want your sword. It's awesome. Can I buy it? And then you realize that, oh, I'm not crypto connected. I don't have a wallet connected to my account here, but if I do this, I could just Put this sword on sale on the open market, which is mm. disconnected from us because the wallet is yours and the wallet is connected to a marketplace somewhere where you can buy and sell NFTs.
0: Like OpenSea, for example.
2: Yeah, OpenSea, or it depends on which blockchain. We aren't finalized in our blockchain we might be multi-chain we might not be that's why i'm not mentioning any specific blockchains i mean there are numerous of them immutable x openc there are some new ones few and far there are rumors that epic is making their own i don't know if it's confirmed or anything steam did a thing like a year year and a half ago where they started throwing out games that had a crypto economy in them And I think it's partially because it's really, really hard for them to get a cut on those sales, basically. Mm. But I mean, the best example for something that should really be NFTs, the knives in Counter-Strike. They have quite a substantial value on the open market, but you still have to sell them if you're doing it the right way. You still have to sell them through Steam. Mm. And I mean, those knives could be your own property as an NFT instead
0: it's interesting you bring up steam one of my question was or more like a speculation do you think once nfts and crypto gaming goes mainstream which i think it will do eventually do you reckon sony nintendo and xbox also will have their own sort of marketplaces on console and when you play games you have to do through them sort of like the playstation coin is like the umbrella Name and then underneath it, you have all these, all their games have their own tokens. It's almost becomes like PlayStation is Bitcoin and then all the games underneath it is Ethereum and Solana, yada, yada, yada. Do you think that will happen one day that we will have those coins or Nintendo coins and so on?
2: Yeah, I guess it's, I mean, it makes sense. Right now, it's being stopped by a bad rep that blockchain and mm. NFTs have. If that can be fixed, and I mean, all of these things, there's like a revolution. If you look at the VR, there's been like 12 times that VR has been really, really cool from the last 20, 25 years or something. And blockchain, is it's the same thing. I mean, something happens, there comes like a killer app that everybody wants. And mm. all of a sudden, all of a sudden, everybody realizes This is really easy. This really works cool. Of course, we want to be that killer app. We want to be that technology, that game that pushes people that haven't even touched crypto before into the crypto industry and make Mm. the barrier of entry so low that anyone can do it. But it doesn't have to be us because... If there is some technology or some game or some service that does this, it will benefit everybody, basically. If Microsoft or PlayStation or Sony starts to make it as a blockchain, it would make sense because the whole distribution of buying game cards at the local convenience store here in Sweden, it should be mind-boggling with all Mm. the numbers that they, all the cards that they have to distribute everywhere. There are lots of advantages to going over to this kind of model but the market has to be ready the public has to be ready and it has to have a good rip. so i mean rules and regulations has to come first and then it has to settle down to be more mainstream and then they will come there
0: i wonder i mean i reckon it's gonna blow up first on pc i don't see how this crypto goes straight to console gaming if all the regulations and everything was in place right now would you guys like Start porting your games to console straight away? I assume it's PC only at this point.
2: Our game is desktop only at the moment. We're using Unity and Unity enables us to quite easily, I wouldn't say it's hassle-free, but quite easily build it for Mac, Linux and the PC desktop. The other reason why we're making a desktop game is that the traditional games of this sort have been mouse and keyboard, basically. So we are first and foremost catering to that desktop ARPG mouse and keyboard audience. But we're not ruling out mobile or consoles in the future, but our main platform is desktop.
0: Yeah, I think it makes sense when the NFT and crypto industry is still so young. So it sort of makes sense.
1: While we're on that topic, do you want to go into more details about the game itself? What you do in it and why you should play it and what you can expect and so on?
2: Sure. I think I forgot to mention something about our company. We are like roughly 25 people and have offices in Umeå and in Tallinn in Estonia. At the moment, we are six developers, six Unity developers, and we have a number of 3D artists and so on and so forth. The game, as I said earlier, is a Unity game. From a technical standpoint, it's a client server with a server-authoritative gameplay model so that the client is a view into what happens on the server, basically. And that is important from a security standpoint. We have servers running on dedicated servers somewhere in the cloud. And our game, you're just connecting a client there. But every click, everything you do is sent to the server and the server is authenticating what happens and sends out the response to the parties that should see it. Right now, we are developing an alpha build, and it's a vertical slide through the whole game with a couple of dungeons. It's basic multiplayer. It's got the final UI. It's got quests. It's got everything that's needed for the game, basically. At the same time, we are scaling horizontally. So we are making more items. We are making more models, more characters at the same time. So we are working in parallel. At the end of this year, the point is that we should have, I think it's three instances or dungeons that are... In story mode, they are static, but you can also run them procedurally, so they are randomized. We should have a hub world somewhere where you can meet random people, people that you're not grouped with. You go there and you see somebody that's running around with a flaming sword of awesomeness or whatever, and you realize that, oh cool I want that sword and you start talking to them and then you take that barter economy and either you can purchase that sword from that person in game through a barter economy or they say that it's an NFT so it's on the open market make me an offer I can't refuse so we're going to have that but we're also going to have instancing with a group so you can have a couple of friends you can go through a dungeon you can do boss fights you can have different gear specs there are a number of different classes there are subclasses as well and the talent trees for those subclasses. The point is that you should be able to have a group of friends running the dungeons and the missions that can complement each other, where you have ranged characters that are specced on a certain resistance, and you have melee characters that are less good at doing damage, for instance, but they are more focused on taking damage and managing aggro or something else. This whole game takes place in a post-apocalyptic world, where... A big event called the Nexus has happened. The Nexus is basically a huge meteor that has fallen from the sky and crashed into the planet where this takes place. And this meteor contained a crystal that is really, really valuable. And this crystal gives everybody that's around it different properties. And some people have fused into animal-human hybrids. What also happened is that some parts of the planet has started floating into the air. So we get like a natural piece of the world where the parts that is floating in the air are the light side of the game. There you have the big hub worlds. You have Arcadia, the capital of the country. You have floating islands and things like that. Down on the ground, you have the dark area where it's basically Wild West and it's Nitty gritty, and you see remnants of the old society, and you see old subways and stuff like that, The crashed airplane covered in moss. All of this takes place in a world where we we try to get inspirations from steampunk, and we try to use Art Deco, or is it called Art Deco? It's an architectural style from that you've seen in different other. You know it when you see it anyway.
1: The Empire State Building, for example. Yeah,
2: exactly. And you get like big hive windows, lights, lots of marble and things and straight lines. So the whole game is built around this nexus that created the world. It's coming back in seasons. And this is the other thing that I feel like I should mention is that we have seasonal resets in the game. And seasonal resets in games like this are really, really good. Because it gives an opportunity for people to restart on a tabla rasa on a blank slate in the game so if you have a bunch of friends that have played the game for a year and you realize that i want to try this game as well if you wait for a season reset there will be lots of new content new changes balancing and stuff and everybody all the characters will be wiped so everybody starts at the same point which is ideal for starting new players and everything like that but it's also The other thing with this is that if you have a wallet connected to this with NFTs, blockchain technology prevents us. And that's the point with blockchain technology, you own these NFTs. So we can't wipe that. Everything that you make as an NFT, all the items that you buy as NFTs, these will be permanent. So you will start the game with a fresh character, but with your NFT items.
1: Okay. So the NFTs allow for new game plus.
2: Yeah, exactly. But different NFTs, different items are also tied to different classes. It can also be a perfect point to start playing the game as something else instead. Start playing as a ranger if you played as a rogue
1: before. As far as player incentives goes, would you say that it is a risk that if there is a seasonal reset, is there a risk that somebody would play like 70% of that and think... What's the point? It's going to be reset in like two days anyhow. I'm just going to quit or something.
2: Of course. We have to add sufficient new things, change things up, make things that are persistent between them. I mean, they could just be cosmetic things. They could be mounts. We should reward people that play a whole season and finish the story to the end. But we should also add new things in such a way that it makes the old things fresh and interesting again. And I mean, Path of Exile does this, Diablo does this somewhat, but the difference is that in our case, it's going to be, we are harnessing the power of blockchain and NFTs basically to make this a better experience, we believe. I think it's really going to make it easier because I mean, I have lots of friends that are playing World of Warcraft. And they want me to come back to the game and stuff. But I mean, they are level 80, level 90. And I'm like, oh no, I don't have that commitment to do it. But if they would commit to starting a new character on a new server, I would love to start playing with them. And this is a way to get them to start playing this game and to make it feel fresh again. That is the big thing.
1: Yeah. So I guess then you would get the benefit of, if you play it a lot, then you constantly get the experience of playing it for the first time several times over yeah almost like a better version of groundhog day
2: yeah like a groundhog day but with flaming swords i guess
1: mm. <laughs> yeah i would like to see that very nice
0: i was gonna ask i'm not sure how to turn this into a question <laughs> a thought that popped up into my mind but surely there will be people who used to play an nft game like this to collect nfts and sell them and make money right yes i mean it's almost like a job for some it could potentially be we will
2: have our own token at launch but we are not a game where you can it's not play to earn play to earn games traditionally have been games that you are playing and you find every now and then you find like a coin a coin that has a real value on the blockchain but we don't want to go that way because it incentivizes farming and it incentivizes that people play the game to earn that is one of the categories of games that have gotten a little bit of a bad rep where you get farms of people working for minimum wages to earn money and stuff like that one of the rumors about crypto gaming when you say that you're making a crypto game is that people think that you take gpu cycles of their graphics card so you're mining Mm. in the background and stuff like that Mm. we're not doing anything like that we basically want to make a cool game and make sure that blockchain technology can enhance that experience for
0: you. Mm. Another thing that gives crypto games a bad rap like you said, this play to earn thingy. Problem with that is that every time you go on Twitter or somewhere you have like a million comments from people like oh, that game looks great have you seen this game? It's launching with this new token and that, I mean, they're clearly is speaking like boosting whatever game they already have invested crypto in. Let's say they bought some tokens from Game X and then they go all over the internet to try to hype that game and then get more people on board and then dump the crypto. I mean, that's everything in crypto is like that now in the early days. Like, man, the gains and losses people make. But it's very annoying with having all these people in the comment field or whatever game talking about this other game that is amazing but it's clearly is shit and clearly they just want to hype that game because they are already invested. So I do think that the approach you guys are going with to what is the opposite to play to earn? Play to have fun? <laughs> no.
2: I mean play to have fun. I like that one. That's better. Yeah, yeah, I mean we have gotten really 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 good response from VCs and many big publishers that we've been talking to as well. And I mean We don't work like a traditional game company. We are completely transparent and completely open with what we're doing. Since, what is it, like one and a half, two years ago, we've had a white paper on our homepage, naramoons.com. And it explains everything, how the game is going to work and what the point is and everything in graphics. So we're not doing this stealth developing or anything like that. We are completely open with who works here, what they've done before, what experiences are and who our advisors are and everything. So we we don't work like a traditional game company in the sense that we are developing something and really, really trying to manage our image of the game before release so we are completely open with the fact that we are developing the alpha right now we are doing this with blockchain technology and we're doing it in a compliant and transparent way
0: do you think it's possible to like for example the game i'm making right now it's imagine stodgy valley or harvest moon if you play those games with a dating sim involved there it's basically a single player game do you think it would the day will come where Blockchain technology can be in these types of games, single player games, or does it have to be a multiplayer game?
2: I love playing single player games. I really, really hope that they will come. The way I play multiplayer games, either I play with friends or I play single player in a multiplayer environment. When we do interviews and talk to players and everything, it's actually what most people do. There are some people like group with random people on the internet, but it's not that common, really. There's a Swedish game that uses blockchain technology that was developed in Sjövda, I believe that's called My Neighbor Alice. And that's like a farmville with blockchain technology. And they have some multiplayer aspects, but many aspects are single player. And I believe it's it's quite successful, actually.
0: That's cool. So every time you plant a seed, you tick off something from the blockchain, or how do they implement it?
2: I don't know, really. But in our case, we are just making NFTs and using the blockchain where we have to. So if somebody wants to sell something, we can make an NFT out of that. They can mint it in game and get it back as an NFT, but we don't have to. You don't have to secure and store everything in the blockchain. Before the crypto crash, there was like a hype that everything should be stored in the blockchain. There were like blockchain operating systems that run entirely on the blockchain. There were so many different things getting tried out on the blockchain, and I think that I'm... Sorry to say, but this market crash for crypto was actually good because it weeds out all of these more crazy ideas and gets it back to mainstream and using the technology for what it's for, to make distributed economy and ownership rights of a digital item. There are a lot of interesting applications for blockchain. And I think this is kind of, I think we should see this crypto crash as a seasonal reset of crypto. Let's wipe the slate and we start again with the cool projects, what works. And we will come back to this point again. There will be some things that doesn't work and some that works. All technologies do this and work in circles, going in curves or whatever you call it. There are trends and then it crashes or it gets less trendy and then takes a couple of years and something triggers it and then it comes back again. And we're going to do that again,
1: probably. Yeah. Speaking of that, I think... The approach you have to game development is kind of special, I think, in many ways. The kind of games that I am working on and Rune is working on is more single player. But I can imagine that having both multiplayer and cryptocurrency or NFTs as a part of your product and having seasonal resets, a lot of that must influence game design or level design Mm. or... The way you think about the game, is that an extra challenge or does it give you extra benefits? Is it easier or harder or what's your take on that?
2: Definitely doesn't make it easier. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it, it doesn't have to make it harder. I mean, we're just signing the game to work as a complete free-to-play fiat experience. And I'm realizing that we're using the term fiat on and off. I guess we should just explain to everybody that it's traditional currencies.
1: Yeah. Backed by central banks instead of being distributed.
2: Yeah, exactly. So it's not distributed, but traditional. But anyway, traditional free-to-play games have a fiat monetization plan, basically. And we want to have that as well as the crypto part. There are some complications that show up from the crypto side, but it doesn't have to be. Our main concern right now is making a great game. And we have pretty obvious touch points into the economy, but a lot of the things we're doing, I mean, we could release the game without any monetization at all, but it's a free-to-play game, so we have to get the money somewhere. Our main challenge is making all the systems work, making the math work. There are numerous formulas for everything, because these games are traditionally really, really number heavy. I mean, there are resistances, there are chances, there are modifiers for resistance and chances. There are attackers, there are defenders, and all of these numbers, every time something happens, act together, back and forth. But all of those challenges, we would have them regardless if we use crypto technology or anything else. I don't know if I'm rambling here. You have to stop me if I'm starting to sound like a broken record
0: or something. It's all good. I love it. I have a question too, more like a concern, and I'm not sure how to turn it into a question in the end. But I can sort of imagine that we... Just imagine that this goes mainstream, crypto gaming and all that. Every console has its own currency, like PlayStation, Xbox, Nintendo. Every game company make their own token. Wouldn't it be just too much, or wouldn't it lose its value somehow? Why would I want these tokens to turn it into fiat money or or would it always be in this sort of shut echo chamber where I just keep using my tokens to buy cool gears for my characters or if I can maybe transfer my Final Fantasy tokens to Mortal Kombat tokens and unlock a character. Like I said, I'm not sure how to turn it into a question. I'm just sort of thinking ahead of the curve here. And how would it look like when everything is crypto? Wouldn't it lose its charm somehow?
2: Yeah, but think of it like this instead. If you're playing Fortnite, you're buying, what is it called? V-Bucks in Fortnite. My kids does it all the time. And they can only use those V-Bucks in Fortnite. Think of it instead. I mean, there are lots of cross-chain technologies being developed right now. There are layer zero. There are different ways that these different blockchains can communicate and exchange coins or exchange value between them automatically in the background. So basically what you could do instead is that you could have your V-Bucks as a cryptocurrency and you could use it in any other game. And there's like an exchange rate. The same way a bank works. I mean, you can use your euro bank card to buy something in sweden where we're not using euros and it will still work because there is an automatic conversion rate between them
0: and these regulations and all that that would help from rug pulls and all that exactly they would help make it
2: secure all of these there are called bridges within blockchain Mm. where you bridge different currencies and different tokens basically different blockchains if it could be regulated and it could be guaranteed to be secure, as secure as the banking industry and the banking technology, then we could get the automatic conversion between these. So instead of having like my money is stuck on Robux or V-Bucks or all of these in gaming, echo chamber, small niche currencies, you could use your currency in any game. And that's instead what it would enable. And I think it would be a better economy actually, because Right now, you are stuck in your little world. I mean, Fortnite is great, Roblox is great, and those are the big ones. Consider if you buy a small game somewhere that doesn't have a thousand things in the marketplace to buy, won't you buy coins somewhere in some wallet that you will only use to buy one thing, basically? I think it will rather enable the small games to have its marketplace and be part of the larger marketplace Mm -hmm. instead of alienating.
0: And probably like a small developer like me, one person. Let's say I wanted to get into this crypto action, and there is like a publisher, and they have their own token, and I can sort of get on there, so I don't have to develop my own crypto and all that stuff.
2: Yeah, that's the point with what Epic has been working on, and all the other immutable and some other that are focusing on gaming. We talked different VCs and different blockchains. Many think that gaming is one of the cornerstones to get user adoption. From the normal audience.
0: I think so too. And I think it will start with PC gamers and then it will sort of bleed over to console gaming once more regulations are in place. And then off to Matrix.
2: Regulations will also help with the App Store and Apple, iPhones and everything. There will be more and more. And then it will take some time, but it should take time to get it right.
1: Yeah, so another question about the crypto ecosystem that you're building, would you also be interested to have user generated content as part of those NFTs or is it going to be more top down, if you understand what I mean, that you create content that then can be owned by the users or is it going to be possible for people to generate cosmetic things that they can own and then sell and something like that?
2: We're all for it. But I think one of the f- things is that we're a small team making a big game, basically. And if we start allowing people to use their own textures for every shield or whatever, you can make everything your own. Then we would have to start to regulate it. We have to check up because somebody is going to do something that they're not allowed.
0: It will be 10,000 shields with dicks on them. Yeah,
2: that's exactly what I thought. But I wasn't saying. It's going to freak out really quickly and it might be interesting, but I think we are staying out of that part for the moment. It's the same thing with, we are purposely staying away from PVP at the moment and just making a great PVE game. We haven't closed the doors on PVP in the future, but there are also lots of, there are lots of problems with PVP. I mean, toxicity, they have to be moderated, especially when people can buy NFTs on the open market. It's easy to come to a pay-to-win branding, basically. So we want to make a great PvE action RPG game.
1: Another thing to counter your point from a little bit earlier, to say that every company creates their own tokens and blockchains and whatever it might be. Something that I can recommend also for people who are interested in learning about the blockchain and understanding it on a very good level. There is a guy named Andreas Antonopoulos. His name is a little bit hard for me to spell, but I will link some of his videos in the description for this episode. But he says that the interesting thing about cryptocurrency isn't that you can manipulate it with code. The currency is code. For example, this is something that I think Ethereum has implemented. So you have smart contracts, for example, say that you would have PvE or PvP in the game. So then you can program the money to automatically. if Say this person wins the game, then this NFT will automatically be transferred to this account or something like that. You can't really hack it. You have the conditions and the contract embedded in the money or the NFT, plus the potential for scams.
2: Yeah, smart contracts have really, really cool possibilities. basically what the point is that you have small programs. That is run on the blockchain distributed and you run them on many, many verifiers and you see if the results are the same of this execution on all of them, then it's considered a valid execution, basically. But just as you said, one common use for smart contracts is royalty. Anytime an NFT is sold on OpenSea, then the creator of that NFT gets 10% 10% of the cut and it's built into the NFT and it's built into the blockchain and it's built into the code that it is. It's not some database somewhere where somebody is keeping track of something and every month sending you money. This is instantaneous because it's part of its DNA and it's really cool. Actually, there are lots of possibilities with this.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Also, something that I've been thinking about, but I don't know if it's practical or not. But one problem with implementing Bitcoin or some of the more traditional cryptocurrencies in games is that the time it takes to... This is sort of nerdy, but the, the times it takes to clear a block to allow transactions is about 10 minutes or so for many currencies. And for others is quicker, but imagine that you would have a blockchain which would have milliseconds to declare each block and that way you could, for example, if you snipe someone in Counter-Strike so instead of having that information go to the server that then broadcasts that to everyone and depending on lag and stuff it might or might not verify as what you actually did but if you would do something with a blockchain where it broadcasts what you do to everyone and everyone has to agree In theory, it could be able to verify so nobody can cheat and the thing that happens actually happens. But I think practically it's going to be way too laggy, probably.
0: So if we play a multiplayer game and I headshot you, Otto, the whole game stops and everyone has to agree (laughs) that I did headshot you.
1: (laughs) Exactly. So I imagine Rome Total War, like the turn-based part of that game, would be something that would actually fit for something like this, maybe. But then again, you would have to have an actual reason why it improves the game, I guess, and not just because it's cool. (laughs) Yeah, I think we're also approaching one hour. So before we end the episode, is there anything else you want to talk about? I don't know. I love
2: working in this industry. I've come to realize and I felt that I waited way too long to start working in it. There is so much fun. Here in Umio there are lots of game companies and it's really good talking to them. Everybody's open and interested in everything. And I really love it. But I mean, we have been really, really fortunate. We have developers and people working in the company that has worked on many major titles, such as Quantum Break and Pillars of Eternity, Magica from Turbarilla and different huge companies. We've been really, really fortunate to find great people. And without them, this wouldn't be possible for us. I just want to say that, just from a personal standpoint, I'm so curious in what games you two guys are developing. and. And the problem is, I guess, is that I have to listen back to old podcasts, right? Where you explain <laughs> this.
0: Well, last week's episode... Well, actually, tomorrow when we're recording this, I'm talking a little bit on my project, my current project. Like I said, it's called Sunset Moon. I'm releasing the trailer tomorrow. I'm waiting for Steam to approve the, the page. But it's like Harvest Moon farming sim, but more focusing on story and relationships with others and classes. like. You can be homeless or become corrupt and like a criminal or work yourself up in the hierarchy and join the elite. Of course, in classic runic codes storytelling, there are some great twists. (laughs) It's super fun, but it's, man, it's a hell of an endeavor. I think it's quite some time before the game is ready.
2: Yeah, it sounds really, really interesting. I gotta check it out.
0: You mentioned steampunk style for... What, what was the game you guys making? Uh, Crystals of Naramoons. Crystals of Naramoons. So my previous game is called Knife Boy. And that has... It was supposed to be steampunky. But I think I started designing it without actually knowing what steampunk was. So it doesn't really look like steampunk. But that was <laughs> what I thought steampunk was. So that's something. I love that setting and all that stuff. Odo, what are you working on?
1: Well, I was just going to say that actually I don't have that much to talk about. I'm working on a game with my brother, but ironically, since starting this podcast about the games industry, I haven't really had time to work on the game. But now, recently, I've been doing great progress with catching up with editing the podcast and everything. So I think soon I will be able to have more information. For right now, in the description of this episode, there will be my blog about the game I'm making. Basically a mix between Overcooked and a farming game. Something like that. Hopefully soon I will have more information about what I'm working on.
2: Cool. Sounds really interesting, both of you. I think that is one of the things that is great with the gaming community. If you rule out the AAA productions and stuff, this whole indie one-man-developer movement, Thing. I think it's so fun to see single or few person teams that start working and taking chances and trying new stuff. It's so cool.
1: Yeah, thank you. And I couldn't agree more. Absolutely. It's a fascinating industry that has room for both big and small. Before we end the episode, do you want to plug anything or promote anything so it's clear for our listeners where to go and where to find more information?
2: Yeah, go to our homepage. We should add it to the description for this episode, naramoons.com. And if you want to get into the nitty gritty, you can read the white paper. Otherwise, just look at the game trailer and read about the game or follow us on Twitter. And we have like a bunch of articles on medium as well. We are on all the social platforms at the moment. So please do follow us and sign up for the waitlist for the game clients which should be in closed beta sometime next year but please just sign up because we're going to give you interesting stuff and cool things if you're early into the game
1: cool amazing thank you so much for taking the time to be our guest and you are most welcome back when you have more updates for the game or anything else you want to talk about
2: awesome thank you
1: it's been an honor to be here likewise likewise And Rune, thank you as always for being my co-host. Thank you everyone for listening and we will see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye.